Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Faith over fear. Now, how often have you repeated that? Well, today, Pastor Randy gives us more to think about. It's faith in the midst of fear. You're in that place. This isn't where you want it to be. You didn't want your kids to have not come home this Thanksgiving, but it's faith in the midst of that. It's not just faith. It's a song in the midst of that. It's the first Sunday in December and the beginning of the season of Advent. That's the story, the song of Christmas. It isn't what we bring. It's just that we bring it. Turn in your Bible now to Luke chapter 1. Here's Pastor Randy. And for the first time, Merry Christmas. Yeah, it is Advent and I have been looking forward to Christmas. So we have two really, we have like a couple of really special things we do at Advent. And, um, and one of those is we have the Advent candle and we read the text together. And I wanna do this while you're still standing. Open your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter one. So I wanna read chapter one, beginning at verse one. If you've got the ESV version, the one Jesus carried, you can read along with me. You guys are like, no, he carried the King James. All right, we're gonna read um, one through four. Whenever Sarah sings that song, it's not fair because whenever I look down, I have the sniffles um, after, I, after we sing that song, that song, goodness. We're gonna read this, we're gonna read this out loud. Then we're gonna, we're gonna flip over to verses 76 through 79. Here we go. Just, if you wanna read out loud with me, read out loud, I'll try to read at that pace. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught." And then flip over to verse 76. Read this with me, if you will. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The gospel according to Luke. Luke, who we studied as we were in Acts. Luke is this amazing writer, a physician, in all likelihood was also a slave. The slave physician writes this, and he says here that in chapter one, verse one, he says he's undertaken to compile a narrative this is, a, this is a, a revelation, it's a communication of the things that have been accomplished. You might just wanna write that word fulfilled next to that word accomplished among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time, to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus, I love what it says right here, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. 
So he's been taught things, but Theophilus appears to be examining this. Is this something that I believe? What is faith? Today we're talking about faith, and I titled this sermon the, the, the Faith, but I think you could call this the song. It's the song of Christmas, because in this first chapter, in this first chapter of, of Luke, there are two amazing songs. The first one is a beautiful one that Mary writes. The second one took a little time to get there. The second one is a little bit more like me, what I think my response would be. What is faith? It is not without reason. He says this, that you can have certainty. This is, this is not without reason. Here's the reality. We are here. We, we are not in the matrix. We are physically here. Just touch your hands. We are in reality. This, we're here. We're actually here. That, that, that matter, inorganic, and organic matter works in such a way to be able to live within orbits and atmospheres, stars and planets, that, that plants would catch the sunlight, the energy from the sun would create a symbiotic relationship with animals and people, and we would be able to live together. That The animals move and they, 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 bring, they bring pollinization, they, dis, they, they disturb the earth and they bring fertilization and they bring all that, and the plants work in such a way to fuel the animals and the people, and it all works together in such a way. We are here. This, we got here somehow. So, so if we got here somehow, the question that we would want to ask is this. Is this all by coincidence? Somewhere, at some point, you have a God in your, you, name, you have a God somewhere, whatever you name him, prime mover, first cause, whatever. And you say, well, I believe in aliens. aliens. Aliens had a first cause. Wherever you're at, there is something outside of nothing that created something. Because nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something. Yeah. Half the room's like, what, what was that? Why did people laugh? I know, you gotta be a little older to get that one, Okay. You, you know, you gotta, be, you gotta be above 35 to get that one if you're not, so you wouldn't have gotten it, but it's okay. It's all right. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. He defines what faith is. Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Underline that word, Assurance. It goes, it goes back there again when we talk about accomplished and fulfilled. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It is, it is both of those things. It's assurance and conviction. You have to have both of those to walk in faith. Flip over to Colossians chapter one, verse 15. This is what it says. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. The Hebrews 11:3 says, by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, that God spoke it into creation. The, what is seen was not 
made out of things that are visible. There is these two elements, this assurance and conviction. It is not without reason. I'm gonna ask you some questions today as we go through. I'd love you to write these in your notes. Maybe these become your prayer requests. But here's the first one. Who are you a Luke to? Who are you a Luke to? Who, who in your life is questioning the things they've been taught? And they need certainty. And they see that certainty in the reality of life, the reality of, of process and systems the, the way that things work together in intricate ways, but, but, they, but it also is in the reality of the fact that when the Holy Spirit enters into us, he begins changing us from the inside out, and, and we see the fruits of the Spirit. I'm always concerned when, when I see churches be more excited about the gifts of the Spirit than the fruits of the Spirit. When we walk in the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit happen naturally. It's a natural thing, and I'm not against the gifts. I believe in the gifts. I believe, as we say, I believe in signs and wonders, resurrection power, but, but it is in those fruits of the Holy Spirit that we begin to see that this story begins on reason. It is about faith over fear. This entire first chapter is faith over fear, but I would like to use a different phrase. I think instead of faith over fear, I think it's faith in the middle of fear. Faith over fear implies we're not going to think about that. I remember asking my dad, Dad, were you ever afraid in World War II? He said, yes. I said, when? He said, the afternoon of December 7th, 1941 till August 14th, 1945, when the Japanese surrendered. He had volunteered. He had gone through basic training in December. He was at home. He was on leave. And he was, at the, he was at the store. I remember that old store. We'd go down there and buy soda pops. If you remember, that's also Coca-Cola's. And we'd go, and, and, and they'd have them in a machine. And it was a, it was a machine like this. It wasn't a machine like this. It was a flat machine. Remember those? And you'd slide it over, and you'd pull it out, and there was an opener right there. And in that store, they had a radio, and they started talking about this attack. And my dad knew his life would be different, real different. Took him all over the world. He talked about, I remember him talking about, we, we would watch old war movies sometimes, and sometimes he would ask me to turn it down. We were watching this old movie, The Battle of the Bulge. He was in that battle, got wounded in that battle. And when those, when those, German Tiger tanks were rolling, he would ask me to turn it down because that sound, that metallic sound that those metal tracks would make, he said, you could hear it for miles. You could hear the, those engines for miles, much less those 88 millimeter shells. Fear, but it's, it's faith in the midst of fear. I, I remember the day before my brother Vernon went into the military, and Vernon didn't have to go to combat, but dad had been in combat. My brother James had been in combat, a lot of combat. The night before Vernon went, we were at a revival. And I, I was just a little kid. I was in fifth grade, and I didn't know this verse, and I've never memorized this verse, but I remember singing this song, a song that I didn't sing much. I haven't sung much, but I remember my mom singing it, and those words just were cauterized 
into my soul. I was standing next to my brother Vernon, and I was standing next to my mom, and my mom reached down, and she was holding on to my wrist so tight, and we were singing these words, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him until that day. I never memorized that verse, but I remember her singing it, and I remember her singing it through her tears. It's faith in the midst of fear. We're gonna see this, and I know that for some of you guys in this room, it is faith in the midst of fear right now. Can I get an amen from some of y'all? You're in that place. This isn't where you want it to be. This isn't the situation you wanted to have. You didn't want to be sitting here by yourself. You didn't want to have the doctor's visit you have this week. You didn't want the things going. You didn't want your kids to have not come home this Thanksgiving. You can finish the line. It isn't what you wanted. But it's faith in the midst of that. It's not just faith. It's a song in the midst of that. Verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Listen, this guy was set in terms of who he was and who he was married to, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But look at this. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in their years. They are having a bad, bad day. When they sing that song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, it is in the reality of the place that they are in to ransom captive Israel. There's a king. They have a Caesar, and that's scary, but there's a king over the providence of Judea. His name is Herod. He's not a good man. He's one of them. The most dangerous person is the one who's a part of your family that's dangerous. Some of y'all know that. The most dangerous person is the one you're supposed to be able to trust, and, and they're not trustworthy. This is why we as a nation have been working through the challenges of, of, of rightness in our law enforcement, because when you get the badge and the gun, you've got to be trusted. I remember when I got my badge and my gun, and, 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 and the chief said to me, he, Chief Swallows looked at me and he said, you know that you have to be better than you were before you got this. Because if you're not, you'll, you'll betray all that these two things represent. And I really, I mean, I didn't walk a beat or nothing. I just pretty much answered the phones and did intake. But one time, I had to, I had to unclip that belt. And one time, somebody needed me in that moment, and I had to be better than I was the day before because I had to be about them. This is, this is the reality that Zechariah is in. Things are not good for him. He, he's having a bad, bad day because Herod's, Herod's the king, and he's evil. He killed his wives. He killed his children. Evil, evil man. You know about this story later on. He orders the death of, of all the children, all the boys under two years old around Bethlehem. That evil a person, the darkness of taking the very lives of children, he was that dark. And he was the one in, in it says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea. This was the marker of this time. 
And it also says that they were barren, advanced in years. There's no hope. And then something good happens. Zechariah gets chosen by lot, just by, just by coincidence, if you believe in coincidence, to go in and, and be the one that raises up the prayers in the Holy of Holies. And he goes in there and he sees an angel. And he's freaked out. But let me ask you a question. Where would you expect to see an angel? Why would that surprise you? And I'm gonna ask you this question today. Where would you expect to see God move? There were a couple of food drives this week. Sheriff Taylor and, and, and other people from the county did one at the fairgrounds. They fed 3,000 people. It's a good thing. We also had one specifically for the Grayson schools, and, and a lot of you, we were involved in both of these, but, but a lot of you guys brought food, and some of you guys gave money for the, for the one for the Grayson schools. And on Monday, we went and gave this food out. We, um, Max and James were there. I think I got a picture of that somewhere, and they were, they were giving food out and carrying these huge boxes to these cars. But then, but then something happened along as we were out there, and it was cold Monday night, if you remember Monday night, it was really cold. Something happened as we were out there. People kept pulling up, and I was saying, you know, Merry Christmas to them, and Happy Thanksgiving, and, and, and a lot of them were Hispanic. And David, right here, starts going up to each of the cars and talking to them. And all of a sudden, I watched this. All of a sudden, these weren't people coming to get food because they needed food. All of a sudden, these were people made in the image of God. And there was relationship going on back and forth because you know what? A lot of us have been in these places before and some of us might be in them again. We don't know. There's lots of parables about building bigger barns and you think you're on top of the world and then all of a sudden you're not. There was a meeting back over 100 years ago of the 12 wealthiest men in America. Nine of them died bankrupt. We, we don't know what that future holds. We don't know what that is. And David went up and started talking to people and I saw God move. I saw people asking. I saw people seeking. I saw people interacting. I saw people with a hunger for God. Where would you expect to see God move? He was surprised. He was so surprised. Look, look, at, verse, look at verse 18. Zechariah has questions. He says to the angel, because God has said what he would do, and he said, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Listen, that's too many personal pronouns. When you're talking to God, be careful of your personal pronouns. Be careful of your eyes, me's, my's. Be careful of those. Because those are the pronouns the enemy uses. I will, I will, I will. Zechariah's got all these questions. How, 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 will I, how am I gonna do this? How, how am I gonna do this? And I love the angel's answer. The angel said, I'm Gabriel. That's how you're gonna do this. He, he doesn't, Tell him the process. You're gonna figure this one out, Zechariah. You can figure this out on your own. But I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. 
I want to say this to some of you guys today. You are in the midst of great adversity, and the answer is not what you're going to do. The answer is what God is going to do. It's not what I will do. Now, I want to remind you again, faith is about conviction and assurance. It's both of those things, but, but God has a plan here. The point is not to, to run your plan. The point is to figure out what his is. Look at Mary's story. Verse 26, in, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. I love the detail. In the house of David, virgin's name was Mary. At the time scripture was written, you could go back to these places. These were people, times, and places. Hey, was there a guy named Joseph lived here about 50 years ago? Yeah, right over there. Right over there, carpenter. Good, good carpenter. See that chair? It still, still works. Times and places, dates, times, and places. This isn't, this isn't Aesop's fables. This is, this is a narrative, an actual narrative of things that take place so you can know with certainty. And Mary is told that she will have a child. Verse 30, the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. But look at what she was troubled at. Look back at 29. She was greatly troubled what? Not that the angel was there. Zechariah was in the Holy of Holies and he's freaked out there's an angel there. Mary's not afraid of the angel. I, the, in the Greek, the angel is a masculine angel. It's a masculine word. Gabriel, it's a masculine noun. This is a, this is, I, I don't, I don't know if I've seen an angel or not. I got a couple that I think I did and I thought they looked pretty normal, but I don't know if they were or not. They could have just been Larry and Bob. I don't know. But, but we'll know when we get to heaven. You know, the Bible tells us that there's times we've entertained angels, though. You do know that. Sometimes that, that homeless guy or that, or that lady that, that's hungry or, or, or maybe somebody in this room, I guess you got to invite them over for dinner and find out where they live to know that they're not an angel. They might be an angel. There might be one here today. There might be one that walked in here today. We don't even know. But she's not troubled by the fact that this masculine, angelic figure is in her house. She's troubled over what he said. What did he say? You're highly favored. She's like, oh, I'm not all that. And, and he says, you're gonna have a child. You'll conceive him in your womb, verse 31, and you'll call his name, here it is, Jesus. He'll be great, be called the son of the most high. The, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said, Mary didn't say, what do I do? She said, how will this be? There's a totally different response. In, in Zachariah's case, Elijah, not Elijah, uh, Gabriel says the same thing. Gabriel says, hey, listen, stop. You don't talk anymore. He doesn't say that to Mary. Why? Because Zechariah's question is, what will I do? There's nothing for you to do. Stop talking. Mary's question wasn't, wasn't how can this happen? Mary's question is, what, what's the response? What do you want me, what do you want, what would my response be to this? Not, not this can't happen. What's the response? She has, she has one of faith. And in verse 46, 
is Mary's song. It says Mary said, but I'm just gonna tell you the way the text reads and the way the text's written, it's a song. It's a song. It's a beautiful song. It's a theologically rich song. This was a young lady. This, listen, she may have been a poor peasant girl, but this girl knew her word. This girl knew her word. And she sings this song. She's, verse 34, it says that there is provision. She has been provided for. How will this be? I'm a virgin, but God, the angel said, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will take care of this. Verse 36, behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son, and is in the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She's a young Jewish girl who's not married. For Zechariah, having a child in your later years is not something you're ashamed of. For Mary, how would she bear this? How would she carry this? There's a movie that I absolutely love. It's called August Rush. And in August Rush, there's this little boy who's an orphan but has this incredible musical gift. And one of the things that, that he says, the opening line is he says, I believe in music like some people believe in fairy tales. And he says, and I know that I have a mom and dad. And I know that when I hear music, they, they can hear music too. And, and the whole story of the movie is he writes this, this rhapsody, this symphony, and he performs it at, at Central Park and his idea is if he writes this symphony from all the sounds of his life, his parents will hear it and he will turn around and they'll be there. And in that movie, August Rush, he leads this symphony with all the sounds of his life, the, the fire engines and the little girl calling out and, and, and singing out praises of, to God and, and, and the sound of of, of toys and, and, and balls flying through the air and all these sounds along with these amazing instruments. And at the end, these sounds are happening amidst all of the story of his life and the songs of his life. And he turns around and his mom and dad are standing there. And I know it's kind of a cheesy story, but I also know this, it's the call of all of our hearts, isn't it? It's the call of every kid I know, every teenager I know. They just want mom and dad to love each other. They just want, they just want family. Beyond the video games and their TikTok feeds and everything else, they, they want that family. When you step into the plan that God has for you, it's like that fairy tale like that story that seems unbelievable, but yet it is believable. It's with certainty, the, the provision that God has. When you step into this plan that God has, there is provision and there is promise amidst the plan. There is provision and there is promise in the middle of that plan. And God can use those circumstances that are even the hardest things to understand, not just for his glory, but for your good.
And he's not done with you. And I would ask you this morning, this question about Mary, this question that I think applies to you. What is it that God, when God looks at you, what is it that he says? And nine times out of 10, I would tell you, it's far better than you say it is. Because how do you look at your kids? When you look at your kids, do you just see the flaws? No. You see the beauty and the potential and the hope that's there. And I think that's, that's what God sees. Mary's like, I'm just a teenage girl. I, I'm, just this, I'm just a normal girl. There's nothing remotely special about me. And God says, oh, there is. And she goes and she visits Elizabeth and Zechariah. Verse 57. And I love this. Because Gabriel, not Elijah, had said, you're going to name this boy John. Well, you're supposed to name your firstborn your name. That carries on your family name. Your family name isn't Smith or Jones or, or Black or Rainwater or, 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 or Christopher. or It's none of those names. That's not, that's not how it works. It's that name of the father that carries, that carries that family line through. It's those, it's those first names. And he's gonna name him John. And it says that it was time for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and, and her neighbors and relatives heard the Lord had shown great mercy and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father's but his mother. His mother said, no, he'll be called John. Yay, mom, good job. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. She knew that. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be. So apparently not only was Zechariah mute, he was also deaf. He couldn't hear. And by the way, there is a correspondence between hearing the word of God and speaking the word of God. If you wanna hear the word of God, start speaking the word of God. If you want to God start speaking to you, start speaking his word. And when, when you start speaking his words, you'll be amazed at how you start hearing his word, how it starts coming to life in the, in the, in the life, in the, the August rush, so to speak, of your life, in the stories and the sounds and the pictures of your life. And he asked for a writing tablet, verse 63, and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke blessing God. But it looks to me when I see the text and the way it's written in my Bible, this isn't a narrative, it's a song. I think, I think Zechariah was singing. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he's visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation. He's that obedient voice. I would 
ask you, how do you walk with certainty, assurance, conviction? Sometimes it's just about walking. Sometimes it's just about walking in that faithfulness with which God's called you to do. Sometimes it's not about the complicated things. Sometimes it's not about the deeper things. Sometimes it's just walking in that faithfulness. We did a call with the churches from Cambodia on Friday night, a Zoom call. There was about 50 pastors in there. I, we got some pictures. Some, these are all different pastors and from, from Cambodia. And, some, and it, was, it was great because for a lot of them, even if there was two people on the same call, they would each have their own device on. And this one lady, Sarah, um, she's, she's on here somewhere. She gave testimony. And go through there one more time. Let me see if I can find Sarah. That, that's her. She's right there. She's right there. And she was talking to the younger generation. She said, some of you kids didn't grow up in the genocide that some of us did. Let, let me tell you, kids, this is what you do. This is how you live in faithfulness right now. If you don't have gas for your moped, you just go out in the streets and tell. So maybe you can't go to the next village where you're supposed to go and be able to tell them about Jesus. Then you just, get, you just go out on the streets and you tell. If you don't have gas. She said, because God was faithful to us in the genocide. He kept us through it, sustained us through it. We're still here. The church is still here. The church is still alive. And I was listening to her talk about just that faithfulness in the midst of those incredible challenges. How do you walk in obedience in those moments when it doesn't feel like you wanna do it? I, I just wanna encourage you with this. This is a song. This story that we follow is a song. This, this story of the gospel is a song. We will sing it, and if we don't sing it, we probably won't tell it. I was at a concert and worship team. You guys can make your way up. I was at a choir concert years ago. And it, this was a school district that had really had a lot of church state issues. They'd been sued, and, and I, you know, the principal was a nice guy, and he was a friend of mine, but he was like, Randy, you can't do anything here. Like, like he goes, he's, he once said, it makes me nervous that you come to baseball games and cheer loud. He goes, you wear your church shirt and you cheer. And he goes, I'm afraid I'm gonna get sued. And, and so the, the Christmas musical was like the holiday, holiday spectacular. And we sang like, like three versions of Jingle Bells. I wanted to sue for being abused by Jingle Bells. You know, it was... And like, you know, to take your keys out and shake them. And, and it was just, just kind of lame. I'm gonna be, Christmas without Jesus is just lame, okay? It's like we just pretend it's good, but it's not, okay? It's, it's just all the worst things about us, you know? I mean, fighting people over dolls in the mall and all, I mean, it's just not overeating and, you know, all that stuff. Patrick came up to me this morning and just patted his belly. And I'm like, I, you don't have to show me, you know? And I mean, it didn't look big anyway, Patrick. It looked fine. So... Do you guys know Patrick was an amazing athlete in, in high school? And the other day we went golfing and I'm like, it's still there. I'm telling you, some of you guys, Patrick's working with adults now. He needs to learn how to golf, okay? So some of you, some of you guys and ladies need to take Patrick out and teach him how to golf because he can swing. He can hit the long ball, I promise you. But all right, back to my story. All right, this is this ADD thing. I'm sorry. So, 
So I'm at this, I'm at this concert, you know, and, and, and it's just kind of lame. And we'd done all the jingle bells and, and, and we'd done, and then they, they did these, these religious songs from around the world. And then the guy got up, the, the choir director got up, you know, with his sticks and he goes, now the last thing that we're going to do is a traditional uh, holiday medley that represents carols. And we're going to start with a very famous carol. And he literally did, he goes, this is in no way an endorsement of the traditional Christian Christmas story. Like he gave, the, he didn't say that about anything else. But dude's getting ready to get blown out of the water. I'm just telling you straight up, because God had a plan. In the back, all these kids, all these kids are down here. And, the, and you know, they start out with joy to the world. And they're like, joy, joy, joy. And I'm like, where's that coming from? Because it's just all these different kids are singing joy, you know, and these different, you know, you got your basses and your baritones and, you know, your, your tenors and your altos and then the sopranos, you know, and, 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 and they're all, I, I, man, I hit that. All right. And, and so then, so then like, then they're like, joy to the world, joy to the world, joy to, I'm not going to try to do that up here. All right. With the whole line, I got one word and, but they did, they're like, you know, and, and, and then they all go into harmony and, and, and there's this kid in the back who was like, like this much taller than everybody else. I mean, I could have stood on my tiptoes and I wasn't taller than him. My brothers are like, how are you taller than us in all of our family pictures? I'm like, tiptoes, baby. And, and, but, but like I could have been like standing on a box and not been taller than this kid. He's like this much taller than everybody else. And he was standing in the back and it was apparent that this was a special needs kid. And he's watching this joy to the world thing. And he's as confused as I am. And he's looking at it. And all of a sudden, he just throws his arms in the air and closes his eyes and starts singing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth, and you know, and they're trying to go joy, you know, and they're trying to harmonize with it and everything. And Mr. Chopsticks is down there, you know, trying to do this, you know, he's like an aircraft guy trying to wave him off, you know. And, and this kid's just singing with everything that he has. And the whole room stands up and starts singing joy to the world. We'd been asleep all night. Except for the bell thing. That's the story, the song of Christmas. It isn't what we bring. It isn't what we bring. It's just that we bring it. Zechariah, they were old and they were barren. And in Herod was the king. And the situation was bad. And Mary was young and single and probably poor. But it's what you bring. How do you live in that assurance and conviction? You need to be a Luke to somebody who needs to hear. Start looking with expectation for the move of God. Start looking for it. Start watching for it. Start writing it down in your journals. We're gonna spend time on this next year. How do we see this move of God? Here's, here's one more thing. Realize that God is pleased with you. Realize that God would use you. 
in the place that you're in. And begin to look for him and call to him and ask for his presence. So as we sing this song, would you guys stand with me? As we sing this song, as we look for his presence, as we take communion today, as we would go to these corners and pray for our next generation and the kids and the call of the kids, as we would go to our neighborhoods and we would call out for God to step into our communities, as we would look at the nations and we would pray for the nations, or maybe it's just a request that we have. Maybe it's that we've not heard that song in a long time and we call out for that. That Emmanuel would come and be with us and would ransom the situation that we're in and we would believe it. Would you guys sing this with me? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captivity. Imagine Zachariah singing this. That mourns in lonely exile until the Son of And this is the secret part. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, Let's sing that chorus again. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. I believe he will. Amen, church. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Randy. This week, take time to reflect on his questions. Who are you a loop to? Where would you expect to see God move? What is God pleased with in your life? And where has God given you provision you didn't expect? Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.